Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. We've got an exciting series that we're beginning this weekend on the Jeremiah Johnston Show Um, I am delighted that in partnership with Lifeway Christian Publishing, for the first time ever, we are doing an unveiling of the audio messages that undergird the entire Unanswered Lasting Truth for Trending Questions series. Now, uh, those of you who have followed me or followed our ministry, Christian Thinker Society, for some time will remember uh, that for the first several years of our ministry in our live events, I would invite audiences And again, of all denominations and people that were Christians or seekers or skeptics, people that had no idea who God was to just simply text me questions. And I was overwhelmed that over 10,000 text message questions were submitted to me in our live events. Well, I began meeting with Lifeway Christian Publishing. I'm sure you're familiar with Lifeway. They're the world's largest Christian publisher. They have one curriculum line that's used by a million and a half Christians every single Sunday. Well, they met with me, and we began to look at those thousands of questions that I'd been asked, and we aggregated those into the most frequently asked questions. And so I designed a Bible study that became a book and a video series called Unanswered, Lasting Truth for Trending Questions. Now, praise be to God Almighty, this message, this series has been now used in thousands of groups and hundreds of churches. It's been used all over the world because guess what? Just because you become a follower of of Jesus does not mean that the questions stop. They might change. They certainly alter. They're different. But the beautiful thing about the Christian faith is God loves an inquiring mind. We read about that in the book of Psalms and Psalm 110 and 111. God tells us to seek out his creation. Well, This is a message that is very near and dear to my heart that I want to introduce you to because my wife, Audrey, and I struggled for several years in the apparent silence of God. You just feel like God's unfollowed you. You feel like God's not there. You feel like he's unfriended you. This is a message for you today. And then we're going to go straight to this message. So I want to encourage you, have your Bible out, have a pen out. This is the audio message, God on mute. What do I do when God seems silent in my life? I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Welcome to Unanswered, Lasting Truth for Trending Questions. I have the privilege to lead a national ministry called Christian Thinker Society, where our mission is to inspire Christians and pastors to become thinkers and thinkers to become Christians. After over 10 years of serving as one of the pastors and teachers at a vibrant local church, I began to notice that we had sincere Christians attending church services week after week, listening to sermon after sermon, And yet they still did not possess the confidence to answer the tough questions being asked about Christianity. Many believers struggle with their own big questions about their faith. They don't know where to turn for answers. And some may even turn away from their faith altogether. Sometimes these questions can be so complex and difficult 
that many don't even know where to start. I realized that we needed better answers for the unanswered questions in our churches. So I dedicated my life to exploring these questions. At Christian Thinkers Society, we've received over 4,000 questions through our events, and we found that certain questions kept recurring. We noticed six questions most frequently asked, and we produced exactly what the church needs. One of the most recurrent questions I'm asked about is God's silence. What do I do when God is silent? Have you ever felt like God is giving you the silent treatment? How do we respond when God seems like he's on mute? And we're going to pause the message right there. We're going to be back in 90 seconds. Keep your pen out. Keep your Bible out. We're answering that difficult question. What do we do when God seems silent or distant? Back in 90 seconds. This is your host, Jeremiah. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Next to deciding to follow Jesus, the greatest decision that I've ever made in my life was asking Audrey to marry me. I first met my wife in Panama City Beach, Florida at a church youth camp. And we had one of those great youth camp weeks where revival breaks out. Before my wife ever knew me or I knew her, she actually went forward and she signed a yellow legal pad because she felt like God was calling her to go into full-time Christian ministry. She didn't know exactly where that would take her, only that God was calling her into ministry. I was so impressed with her love for the Lord, but I was way too nervous. She was way too good looking, way too classy. I was so nervous to go up and ask for her phone number. So I actually asked the youth pastor to let me borrow the youth roster. And I saw her home telephone number back when people had home telephone numbers, if you remember. And I called and no one answered. And it was a home answering machine. And I said, Audrey, this is Jeremiah Johnston. Would you please go out on a date with me? Well, she said no. And then she said no again. But I didn't give up. I kept being persistent. And finally, we began dating, and then the Lord led us to get married, and we began in ministry together. You know, in the 15 years of our relationship, since those early days on the beach at Panama City Beach, Florida, I can't think of a single moment where my wife, Audrey, has been a stumbling block to my walk with Christ. In fact, she's one of those rare people that you meet who makes you want to be more like God, not because of what she says, but because of how she lives her life example. That background is really important for what I'm about to say. My wife and I experienced five years of God's silence, full stop. We always wanted to have children. We never could have dreamed that two healthy people who loved God with all of our hearts would not be able to conceive. That nightmare became our literal reality. We spent what to a pastor would equate to a small fortune, having every hormone of our body check, every intimate detail of our love life examined for medical inquiry. The physical stress paled, though, in comparison to the emotional toll that infertility was literally fogging and holding over our marriage. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, despair is defined as complete loss or absence of hope. And I have to be really transparent with you and say that I think Audrey and I had reached that point. Four years in trying to have a baby, nothing was working and nothing was happening. Can I share with you what my prayer sounded like during those four years? Keep in mind, I'm a minister. I'm an ordained pastor, and I, I just can't understand this. Lord, am I not believing enough? Lord, is there some sin in my background, in my history, that's preventing you from blessing me today? 
God, you've promised to bless me. God, you've promised Psalm 8411, you'll withhold no good thing from those who do what's right. God, in what way are we wrong? Audrey and I would cry out to him. In what way have we sinned that you will not hear us? And then, you know, you have these emotional moments. Please, God, if you would only tell us, we would change it immediately. God, we want a child. Would you please help us? And then it got to the point where it was really low. God, are you even listening? Your word says that you're near to the brokenhearted, but you seem so absent from our lives. Perhaps you've said a similar prayer or wanted to. You know, it's okay to pray like that. It's okay to share your heart with God. And possessing advanced degrees in theology was of little help to me, by the way. Preaching regularly in a growing church didn't give me any kind of special access to God. And for all practical purposes, Audrey and I thought that God had like put us in a corner and time out that we had no idea why. Have you ever felt like God put you in timeout? Have you ever felt like God was on mute in your life, that you literally just couldn't hear him anymore? You couldn't get to him? Could we trust him? Did we trust him? Would we trust him? I'll return to the rest of our story later in the session. My wife and I prayed and journaled through this experience of God's silence, and God taught us four very clear principles for how we should respond when God seems silent and far away. The first lesson that we learned was, number one, God's silence is real. It's biblical. It's personal. It's common. And guess what? It's not always bad. Now, this took us a while to learn. We have to blow up that myth that God's silence is the same thing as God's chastisement. They're not the same. Chastisement is a word that we rarely hear anymore. Have you noticed that? But it is in the Bible. Chastisement is that experience of God's discipline in our lives. God's silence, though, does not always mean that God is disciplining you. Remember John chapter 9, Jesus heals the blind boy. Who has sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, none of them. But so God may be glorified. If you're experiencing the silence of God, it doesn't mean that you are some kind of second-rate, second-tier Christian. Trust is always the issue. Do we trust God to straighten out the mess in our lives? Do we trust God to give us a child, for instance? Do we trust God even when he says no or wait or not now and we sense a delay? Now, as we're going to see in this session, God's silence is not always, and in fact, in many cases, not due to some sin in your life. And you need to hear this. Biblical, what do I mean that God's silence is biblical? You might find it ironic that several of the major characters in the Bible face times of deafening silence from God. Or think about just for a moment, Joseph. And the silence of God that that young man faced. All he did was follow God, obey God, share the dreams God gave him, trust God, and he ends up in a foreign land in Egypt. At 17 years of age, Joseph is sold in a human trafficking transaction, and he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. Then he's wrongly accused, and Potiphar is Joseph thrown in an Egyptian prison. Many forget Psalm 105, 17 to 19, when it describes Joseph's plight. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they hurt his feet with shackles. His neck was put in an iron collar until the time his prediction came true, the word of the Lord tested him. Genesis chapter 40 concludes by saying that Joseph was literally forgotten in that prison. God's silence. The real story was God didn't want Joseph in the land of Canaan where his family would have most likely died from famine. God did not want Joseph as a slave in Potiphar's house. 
God wanted Joseph to be Pharaoh's prisoner. Why? Because God wanted to favor him with Pharaoh. God's silence was a test. Joseph's transformation into the second most powerful position in Egypt happened through God's silence. You know, God's silence can lead to our transformation. The great Old Testament prophets, when you study them, I'm talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. They all dealt with God's silence in different ways. God's silence is real. It's biblical. It's personal. It's common. It's not always bad. So here's the application. When the silence is real, when it's raw in our life, I need to recognize that I'm not alone in the stillness. In fact, I'm in some pretty good company. A right biblical framework will cause us to think rightly about our situations. What is it about our human nature that we constantly are doubting ourselves? When you realize that Abraham, Joseph, the great prophets, they all persevered and were eventually promoted through God's silence, that encourages us to know that we're not alone. Think of 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. The second lesson Audrey and I learned struggling with the silence of God was a practical one. When the silence is real, I should saturate myself in the Psalms. Now, it might sound simple to you. Why the Psalms? Why don't we think about Jesus' excruciating experience of the silence of God, literally utter abandonment of God the Father? In his native Aramaic tongue, we hear the struggle of God's silence in Jesus' voice. Matthew 27, 46, literally it says, About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In a way that we cannot humanly or that I cannot theologically explain to you, in a way that we can't spiritually comprehend, there was silence within the triune Godhead. So much so that Jesus asked the Father, where are you? From memory hanging on the cross, what does Jesus go to? He goes to the Psalms. He quoted Psalm 22:1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22:2 continues, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Can you identify with that cry? Luke's gospel tells us that despite God's silence, Jesus places his trust in his father's character. Do you remember Luke 23, 46? Jesus said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Can you imagine the silence at Jesus' tomb that weekend? And yet through that silence, the greatest feat of human history occurs. Jesus is resurrected. Death is defeated. I was encouraged to go to the Psalms because that's where Jesus went when he suffered in silence. He went to Psalm 22. There's so many Psalms that are rich with the transparency of believers who struggle with God's silence, questions about God's plan. But ultimately, we see they cast themselves on his faithful love and character. I mean, I think of Psalm 44, the entire Psalm is a picture of the silence of God. And it ends with this triumphant note of trust in the faithful character of God. Think of Psalm 62, another Psalm of David, verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence, he says in the Psalter. From him comes my salvation. 
Psalm 62, verse 8, after extolling God's righteous, I never break my promises character, David says what? Trust in him at all times. Silence leads us to dependence and trust in God's unfailing love. And that's where ultimately our transformation is found. The third lesson that Audrey and I learned is silence should always lead me the stones of remembrance. Have you ever noticed how forgetful that we can be? I mean, there's a reason that we have memorials in our nation's capital. People forget great things of the past, great events, great accomplishments, great actions. You know, we all need reminders of significant events of our past. As God deepens our spiritual lives, as he molds us on that potter's wheel of his silence, you know, we should journal to remind ourselves of God's lessons in our lives. Did you know that sometimes God does not answer your prayers because he knows better than you what's actually best for you? You know, I can think of some specific prayers in my life that I once uttered to God, and now I'm so grateful that God didn't answer those prayers. God blessed me with his silence to those petitions because he had something much better for me. Here's a key lesson that we learn. God sometimes says no to something good that we pray for because God has the best for us. He says no for a better yes. Oswald Chambers once said some prayers are followed by silence because they're wrong. Others because they are bigger than we can even understand. It will be a wonderful moment for some of us when we stand before God and we find that the prayers we clamored for in early days and imagined were never answered, they've actually been answered in the most amazing way, and that God's silence has been the sign of the answer. In Joshua chapter 4, Joshua crosses over the Jordan River during flood season on dry ground to begin that conquest of the promised land. I love the book of Joshua. It's a book of total victory. Joshua chapter 4, verse 5 into 7, it says, Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them. Do you know we have memorial stones in our life just like Joshua and his conquest? Tell me about your memorial stones when God protected you, of when God provided for you miraculously. You journal through what you learned in God's silence. What promise did God give you? What way did he protect you? What wrong theology or worldly skin did you shed as God grew you in the silence? There's a fourth and final lesson Audrey and I learned. The silence of God can lead us from transformation to triumph. We persevere in that silence because God wants to promote us. We learn in 1 Samuel 15 that God rejected King Saul as king of Israel because of his disobedience. 1 Samuel 15, 26 literally says, the Lord rejected Saul. Now, if you want to know how not to respond to God's silence, read 1 Samuel 15 through chapter 31, and you're going to watch Saul descend and do the unimaginable. Cut off from God, drowning in God's silence, Saul says in 1 Samuel 28, 6, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. God is silent to Saul, and so he does the unimaginable. Saul decides to disguise himself and go behind enemy lines, and he visits a witch in the town of Endor to try to seek guidance how to defeat the Philistines. In 1 Chronicles 10, the text explicitly states that Saul died for consulting the dead rather than consulting Almighty God. Saul is defeated in battle, and what does he do? He kills himself on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines hung his body in Beit Shan. You can go to the city of Beit Shan today in Israel. 
Let me draw an immediate parallel from the life of King Saul to the life of David. Same book, 1 Samuel chapter 16. David is anointed king of Israel after God had rejected Saul the chapter earlier. However, remember the chronology. Even though he's anointed king, he's not crowned king for another 15 years. You could argue that he spends the next 15 years grappling with God's silence. In fact, after being promised the kingdom, David is regularly hunted by Saul. Saul seeks to take his life. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, while David is on a mission battling the Philistines, the Amalekites actually descend on David's encampment, and they capture all the wives and children of David and his mighty men. How does David respond to this defeat? How does David continually respond to this time of God's testing and silence in his life? I think it's perhaps my favorite passage in the entire Old Testament. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. In the face of this silence, with, his, with their wives and children literally imprisoned by the Amalekites, what does David do? What's his reaction? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David continued seeking God in the midst of defeat and silence. Now think about the comparison. Draw it in your mind. Saul responded to God's silence by seeking a medium. David responds by continuing to seek God's face no matter what, despite the silence, despite the defeat. God restores the wives and the children to David and his mighty men. And then after 15 years of waiting on God through the silence, you know the rest of the story. God gives David the kingdom. Here's a key thought. Sometimes for us to go to our destiny, we have to go through the testing of silence. Will you respond to God in the silence by continuing to seek him? Will you respond by trusting him and by throwing yourself on his covenant faithfulness? Do you know 250 times in the Old Testament, of course, the Old Testament is mostly written in Hebrew. We have this beautiful Hebrew word hesed. It's when you read that English word loving kindness behind it, the Hebrew is hesed, the hesed love of God. God's hesed love is unfailing. It is his loyal love for his unloyal people. I want to come back and finish my story. When I realized that Audrey and I were in a place of having to utterly depend on God to escape infertility, you know, it took me some time to come to grips with that truth. In fact, for nearly a year, I honestly struggled with it. I wasn't being the leader for God that I needed to be with my wife or for my wife. It took a few months, and I'm sorry that I have to admit I didn't have that immediate obedience and trust that I see in 1 Samuel 30 in the life of David. But after a few months, Audrey and I, we felt convicted to pray daily for the Lord to work miraculously and allow us to become pregnant. You know, I honestly look back at those days, and I cannot think of a single day where we did not gather, get on our knees together, hold each other's hands, pray out loud carefully through our struggle. can't tell you what that did for our marriage relationship. You know, I can't imagine not praying with my wife, by the way. If you're struggling with God's silence, you need to start praying with your spouse if you're married. You need to have a prayer partner if you're not married. You know, we eventually, Audrey and I, we came to a point of having total peace with God no matter what he decided. And I can't explain it. It was a peace that passes all understanding. And another thing that happened, we stopped blaming ourselves. We stopped pointing the finger at whose fault it was we weren't getting pregnant. In October of that year, Something incredible happened. We found out that we were pregnant. It was a miracle. I'll never forget that morning. Audrey burst through the doors of our master bedroom, and she said, it said yes, referring to her pregnancy test. Her body was physically shaking and all that emotion, five years of frustration. I'll never forget that day. You talk about a stone of remembrance in my life. That is a day that I'll never forget. 
And now speaking of that, we now have two living stones of remembrance. One's named Lily Faith and the other Justin Jay. You know, we had to learn to persevere. God took us from perseverance to promotion and a silence. Right now, if you're struggling with that raw silence or attesting from God, you need to know you're not alone. You're not a second-tier Christian. You know, we travel all over the country with Christian Thinker Society, and we've received questions from believers in all kinds of different churches. And this is always the most frequently asked question. God is silent to me. I can't hear him. What do I do in God's silence? I want to encourage you, start where Jesus did with the Psalms. Press forward with trust in Almighty God no matter what. And don't ever forget, remind yourself of this. Some of the tallest figures of the Bible persevered right through God's silence. And you can persevere too. I'll be back after this break with more on how to answer the question, what do we do when God seems silent in our life? Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network. This is your host, Jeremiah Johnston. I want to encourage you right now, if you've just listened to my message, What Do We Do When God Seems Silent, God on Mute? I want to encourage you uh, to join the Unanswered team. You can go to ChristianThinkers.com, and you'll see the book, the Bible study, the video series. There is an entire kit that Lifeway puts together. I worked with the same crew that does the Priscilla Shire Bible studies, the Beth Moore Bible studies, and uh, several other figures whom you probably admire and respect. It's a wonderful team. In fact, I'm going to introduce you later on in this broadcast to Brian Daniel, who is the individual who gives leadership to general Bible studies at Lifeway. Uh, But I want to encourage you to make this a part of your Bible study group. It's a six-week study. The Bible study kit includes DVDs, which are videos of me speaking through each chapter, all of the content of the book. And what's really cool is we actually filmed the unanswered Bible study series. People think it was filmed in Cambridge or Oxford because it looks like it was filmed there. (laughs) Well, guess where we filmed it? We filmed it in Northwest Houston at the famous Lanier Theological Library. My good friend Mark Lanier is a super attorney. He's a Christian layman. He teaches a Sunday school class every Sunday that has 700 people in his class. Uh, And he turned his backyard into what looks like Oxford or Cambridge. There's an amazing Tudor architecture. There's a phenomenal scholarly library. And with Mark's permission, over the course of about three or four days, we filmed all of the segments for the unanswered Bible study. So it's really aesthetically pleasing, uh, but it's geared for all age groups. I've received comments and feedback from Bible study groups that are do middle school and high school ministry, college groups, all the way up to groups as far as 80s and 90s uh, who have gone through the Unanswered series. So again, you can find that at ChristianThinkers.com, uh, or you can go to the Lifeway uh, site as well, which is Lifeway.com slash Unanswered, where you'll see Unanswered available in all of its different varietals. Now, We face major challenges today. This is the power teaching segment for the Jeremiah Johnson Show. And here is the culture's message to you and to me as a Christian. Are you ready for it? This is the culture's message. There is no God, stupid. And the second message is this. There is nothing special about Jesus. He definitely wasn't raised from the dead. Jesus, if he even existed, was married with wife. With, he had a wife, he had kids, and he probably had a mortgage. Later on, other people turned him into a divine being. So listen to me very closely. I love this program because we do a deep dive into the serious questions that are afflicting and affecting our faith. 
The Christian faith is being attacked at two central or cardinal doctrines or teachings. Namely, one, first, the belief in God. And second, the conviction that God acted decisively through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, his son, and through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, I would not believed it had I had not seen it with my own eyes. Richard Dawkins was interviewed by CNN's Anderson Cooper back in April of 2008. Dawkins, I was watching this. He, was, he of course, is an entrenched atheist, one of the most popular atheists in the world. He's a zoologist. Um, He's author of that book, The God Delusion, and he was discussing atheism and belief in God with host Anderson Cooper. Now, I appreciate Anderson Cooper. He's interviewed me before on his program uh, fairly. He's given me opportunities to speak about Jesus for several minutes uninterrupted. So I do want to say that very balancedly. I appreciated the interview I did with him. Uh, But at one point, when Cooper is interviewing Richard Dawkins, he actually cocks his head back and begins laughing derisively. And he asks Richard, how could anyone be so stupid? <laughs> Guess who he was talking about? He was talking about stupid Christians. He was calling on those of us who believe in God, who believe, as Richard Dawkins said, who believe in talking animals, uh, walking and talking animals, that is, who believe in dead bodies coming back to life. How could anyone be that stupid? Now, I couldn't believe the disrespect and the discourteousness, no matter what he privately believes, on this interview laughing at stupid Christians. Uh, Anderson continued the interview by referencing with Dawkins some of the other uh, problem passages they saw in the Bible. And again, when when I saw that, it reminded me, this is the culture's message to us. There is no God stupid. Uh, A second analogy... um, need for this series was never made more apparent to me than recently also um, a a broadcast that we actually filmed with Peter Atkins. My parents, uh, Dr. Jerry and Christy Johnston, are filming a documentary on the rise of the religious nuns. I don't mean Catholic nuns. I mean those who say they have no religious preference or priority. And this interview has actually been featured on the Christian Thinkers Society website and Facebook page. So I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media because you'll immediately be able to access this. Uh, But Jerry and Christy Johnston were filming with Richard Dawkins' best friend, Professor Peter Atkins, lecturer of chemistry at the University of Oxford and a fellow at Lincoln College. Now, Professor Atkins is one of the top 25 most popular atheists in the world right now. And he actually looked at the camera without flinching when Dr. Johnston asked him, what do you think of people who invite Jesus into their hearts? He looked at the camera. He didn't blink. He didn't flinch. He said people who invite Jesus into their hearts are probably mentally ill, though he immediately qualified it by saying he's not a psychiatrist. When they went on to interview Peter about what his reaction was to knowing that his lectures, listen to me closely, on critical thinking, had dismantled the faith of so many Christians in his classrooms. Do you know how Peter Atkins responded on video? It gives me great delight. Here he is a lecturer at Lincoln College, Oxford. Do you know who else went to Lincoln College? The great Christian revivalist John Wesley. I used to walk by Lincoln College in Oxford. In fact, if you step into the quadrangle at Lincoln College, you'll see a bust in the window of the great John Wesley. And here we have Peter Atkins who is decidedly excited, it gives him great pleasure uh, that his comments in class 
have actually dismantled, if not completely removed, the faith of so many of his students. And this is what we're up against, ladies and gentlemen. This is why I want you to add unanswered. Uh, the book, the Bible study, and the video series to your Christian library, you have to be equipped to speak articulately, defensively, passionately about your faith to those who try to destroy it. Makes no mistake, there are individuals out there who are trying to destroy the Christian faith, and they are succeeding because so many Christians are being silent. And so we cannot be silent anymore. It doesn't mean that we're ugly. It doesn't ever mean that we're disrespectful. It doesn't mean that it's a shouting match. No, we actually are very winsome when we defend the faith. We have an answer always, Peter said in 1 Timothy 3.15, to talk about simply the hope that is within us. And guess what? Our ability to defend the faith is a great barometer of the importance of the faith in our life. I know a lot of Christians who do a great job defending their coffee choices. They can tell you who the greatest basketball player of, uh, is of all time but I want to know can you defend your faith and if not let me sharpen you let me encourage you through this unanswered series so again um, we've got to go to a commercial break but let me encourage you uh, not just what do we do when God is silent but we answer the top questions that you're going to be asked in your Christian faith that your kids and your grandkids are going to be confronted with I'm going to be back with my friend Brian Daniel in a moment from Lifeway as we discuss more about the architecture and behind the scenes how Unanswered came to be uh, a book, Bible study, and video series. Stay with us. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is the program that encourages you to have a thinking faith. Uh, and that inspires you to hopefully encourage those around you to love God with their hearts, souls, and minds. And friends, I have joining me today uh, from the great state of Tennessee, my former stomping grounds, Franklin, Tennessee, my dear friend Brian Daniel, uh, joining us on the program today across the Faith Radio Network. And Brian uh, is a great friend now of over five years in my life. Uh, he leads discipleship publishing for the world's largest Christian publisher, that is Lifeway Publishing, and he leads the group's ministry Bible study division of Lifeway. Brian, it's so great uh, to have you on the program today. Jeremiah, thank you so much for that introduction, and it's great to be here. Appreciate appreciate the opportunity. Well, I want to just celebrate on this broadcast um, all of the great work that you do, Brian, behind the scenes uh, more than 20 years you've been working in publishing. You've done countless Bible studies. I mean, we could just call out the names. Um, you really have just done a masterful job. I really think of you as a Bible study coach and mentor in so many ways. And I want to dive down into our audience because we've just, we've just listened to God on mute. What do we do when God seems silent? Which is actually the first question that I addressed in the unanswered Bible study, which then became a book and then a Bible study video series and has now been used by literally thousands of churches and Bible study groups. But I want to drill down with you for a moment and just discuss the ways in which the Holy Spirit used you so mightily to bring this study to fruition. Uh, and I want to just have you explain for a moment to begin more generally for our audience what is groups ministry? I mean, we've all heard of Beth Moore. We've all heard of Lifeway Bible studies. But can you just explain what you do? Uh, take, for example, me with a Bible teacher uh, like myself or others, how you really mentor and steward these Bible studies uh, to that ultimately get used in so many different environments. 
Well, first off, in terms of group ministry, um, you know, most churches, if not all, have some form of uh, of getting together to discuss God's word, to uh, work out their faith, and to grow as disciples. And so, our team, um, it's a relatively small and mobile bunch, as you know. Um, we take it as our duty to um, take these messages, like what you've created with Unanswered, and develop a way for groups to. And you used the term deeper dive, or you referred to that act. And so we believe that the best way to uh, to take on this kind of content is not necessarily in the trade book. I mean, the trade book is a it's a good method for personal study and devotion. I think uh, you know you and your role uh, with Christian Thinker Society, and I'm a lifelong learner, and probably a lot of our listeners are too. Uh, reading is a good discipline to have, but in terms of taking the message and making it a part of who you are, ingesting it, making it a part of your DNA, and uh, facilitating transfer, uh, transformation. We believe that, that group Bible study and group ministry is the best vehicle for that. And so my team and I, uh, there's a process that you're very familiar with. Uh, we begin with the author and the message, of course, and then we, we you know, to lack, for lack of a better term, we, we engineer the content in a way that best meets the needs of the group. Mm -hmm. And friends, if you're just joining us on Faith Radio Network, this is the Jeremiah Johnston Show, and I'm joining us all the way from Franklin, Tennessee, my good friend Brian Daniel. I want to encourage you right now to connect with him on Twitter. That's B.C. Daniel, at B.C. Daniel, or Facebook at Brian Daniel. Uh, Brian's been giving leadership to groups ministry now for years at the world's largest Christian publisher, which is Lifeway. Uh, Brian, I want to take you back because we all see uh, Unanswered in its finished form, and uh, we're going to be celebrating this month, this Christmas season, listening to uh, different aspects of the Unanswered Lasting Truth for Trending Questions series. But I have such a great memory of you, Brian, because uh, back when we were not even out of the starting gate yet, you invited me uh, to join you in Nashville, Tennessee, and we did a writer's conference and I want you to explain the nature of the writing writers conference, because for me, it reminded me of many ways, some sessions I even had at the Ph.D. level where I met with my doctor fathers, my 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 supervisors. And uh, my research question really began to take shape. I actually knew what I was writing. And I look at the writers conference as such a healthy experience for me as an author. We have a lot of aspiring authors who listen to this program. We have many authors who listen to it. Uh, pastors and other Christian influencers. I think this is what makes you unique and your team unique at Lifeway because I've now published for numerous other publishers, both on the academic and popular side. But the only time I've really had a writer's conference was with Brian Daniel. And it's just served me well now in the rest of my ministry years later. Can you just discuss that for a moment and how that came to be? Yeah, that was a good time, wasn't it? It was fabulous. Um, what time of year was what time was that? Summertime, late spring. Do you remember what time of year it was? You know, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I do know that um, we met at the Lifeway off at the old building, at the old Lifeway offices. So I don't know if that helps us at all. Well, we asked. Uh, I, I asked you because we had one of those writers' conference, and one of our. You know, it doesn't get that cold in Middle Tennessee. I mean, let's be honest. But I've had yeah. those before when it was in the neighborhood of two to three degrees, and those are very memorable. But yeah, the writers' <laughs> conference. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually surprised that uh, you haven't run into that more often. You know, I would think that that is that's one of the first things that we do is get two things scheduled: the video shoot and the writers' conference. 
And uh, because what we do, you know, we take the stewardship of messages of our authors, of which you are one, very seriously. And so just to take a manuscript and develop something and then just give it back to you and say, here it is, you know, this is this is what we've created for these thousands of churches and thousands upon thousands of group members to engage your content. That just doesn't seem like that's going to get it done. Mm-hmm. So we usually take a day or a day and a half. We invite the author in. And, um, you know, and also, Jeremiah, as you remember, this is an opportunity for you to share your vision yes. and your background and how God has put this message on your heart and what your expectations are for our whole team to hear. And that's an opportunity for us to hear, like, your language, your heart, and your passion. And so we'll begin the meeting with something like that and uh, then talk about how uh, the formatting or the engineering best serves the content. We we have a preferred model that we use. Um, and, you know, you go to any Lifeway store and you can pick up one of our Bible studies. You can see mm-hmm. kind of how that we like to do things. But our mantra is actually what serves the content best. And so a big part of that time that we spend together is what is the best way to package this content and this message to serve the groups and the churches that look to us for these solutions best. Mm. What's the appropriate number of small group group sessions? What's the appropriate format for those sessions? Jeremiah, we think in terms of two pieces to each one of our small group sessions. And so um, unanswered is six different small group meetings. There'll be a group component and then there's an individual study component. So it's a little bit of the best of both worlds. You get to work out your faith within the context of believers. But then you get to go off on your own during the week, and you get to engage it at a more personal, more intimate level. And so a big part of that meeting is deciding just how we're going to do that. And then um, once we make that determination, we walk through each of the small group sessions, getting our notes on the board for whoever's going to write it. Sometimes that is uh, a staff writer that takes the content and basically adapts it for groups, and sometimes it's the author of record, and that was the case this time. Mm, So mm. the Writers' Conference is integral to our understanding of the content and our success. It's also a time for, uh, you know, the people that are uh, entrusted with representing this message to the churches through the catalogs and the websites that we have for those to hear your heart. Uh, we also talk with the video leaders to get an idea of uh, how, you know, what's the best way to position you in terms of the video. And, you know, the video is a part of most what we do. Probably 99% of our Bible studies have a video component, and that's just a way to be consistent with our promise to have a trusted voice in every room. It also helps, uh, like, small group pastors and church educators um, recruit leaders if they know that they don't have to carry the full weight of the content that they can push play and let you teach your message and then facilitate a conversation uh, that helps them in their job of recruiting leaders. So, yeah, I'm glad that was a really good experience for you, Jeremiah, because it's something that we feel like it's very important. And we put, hopefully you noticed, it feels like you did. We put up a lot of attention and 
and effort into that meeting. Oh, my gosh. And, friends, if you're just joining us, I'm talking to Brian Daniel on the other side of the break. We're going to continue. I'm going to ask Brian in 90 seconds after our break about the best and worst Bible studies he's been part of. Because, Brian, we've all been in great Bible studies that have been life transformational. Uh, And then I don't know about you, but I've been in some Bible studies that go into free fall mode. And what I love about what LifeWay has designed, they have designed Bible-based Bible studies. How many of you know not every Bible study is actually based on the Bible? And so I love what Brian's done. And this is a season of giving. This is the Christmas season. And I just want to celebrate my friend Brian Daniel and the great way in which he and his team uh, years ago began stewarding the Unanswered series, a series that literally became a world tour that now has reached uh, untold thousands uh, with answers to questions. Friends, you're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show. In 90 seconds, we're going to be back. Back to the final segment of today's Jeremiah Johnston Show broadcast. If you've missed any of this broadcast, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our radio podcast. Simply go uh, to either ChristianThinkers.com or Faith Radio Network's website, and it can give you the step-by-step uh, procedure. Uh, today's broadcast has been so near and dear to my heart. Uh, you all know that I am the father of five children now. So again, please be careful what you pray for when you have an unanswered question for God. Um, as transparently as I have ever done on any broadcast, uh, this show, I shared very intimately with you what was going through my heart and mind five years of struggling with what I thought was God's silence. Um, I shared intimately the prayers that Audrey and I would pray together when we just kept hearing literally nothing, just no from God the whole time he was there working. And so I do just want to give you this disclaimer before we go out of uh, this topic onto the next one next week. This is a series of six unanswered questions we're going to be discussing. Be careful what you pray for because God will show up big time in your life. Um, But what was the big takeaway from today's message? We were going to trust God no matter what. Whether we had children or not, whether we um, came to that place where we felt like it wasn't all about God giving us a yes. It was about God saying, I'm going to be with you through the struggle. And God showed up so strong in our lives. Now, what's really interesting when we think back to the architecture of Unanswered, both the book and the Bible study, when I discussed uh, the fact that we had had two children. Friends, God wouldn't done yet. We hadn't had the triplets yet, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little footnote asterisk for you. So, again, uh, we struggled with infertility for five years. Now we have five children. So uh, God's God's plans are past finding out, aren't they? I want to pray right now for those of you, though, who are seriously in that moment of struggle. You're listening to this blessing. You're listening to my testimony. And yet you're probably saying, well, but what about me, God? Where are you in my life? Uh, The first thing that I want to remind you of, of please don't tell me God is being silent in your life if you are not bathing your mind in his scripture. If you're not bathing your mind in his word, please, please don't think that God's being silent. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us in his word. This is the beauty and the power when we read things like Psalm 19, 1 through 6. Even creation, my friend, is praising and worshiping God. We're coming in and the worship service has already happened in the world around us. And then when we open up Psalm 111 and we see that the word of God is strong and it strengthens our life, we see that God will speak to us in his word. I want to take a moment before we close and I want to pray for you 
If you're struggling with the silence of God, maybe it's with a son or daughter, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a significant disappointment, maybe it's something that only God knows has happened to you, will you let me just pray for you for a moment? And don't forget, Christian, there is always power in prayer. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now on this radio network with people listening right now all over Faith Radio. Some people are driving, some people are podcasting, wherever someone's listening to this, God, and they're struggling with your silence in their life. They just simply cannot equate the problems in their life with the promises that they read in Scripture. And they're, God, they're, they're wondering if you've forgotten about them. Well, Lord, we know that your word says in Hebrews, you can never, 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 never leave us, never forsake us. You haven't forgotten about that person. Father, I pray right now you would reveal yourself in your presence in a new and powerful way with that person who's struggling right now. That person with an unanswered question, that person who senses that you're distant, I pray, God, they would immediately, even now, be revived with the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we're out of time. What a blessing. This is a new series that we're beginning. I'm going to be back next week discussing another unanswered question. This is the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm thankful for the unanswered series because it gave birth to this entire radio broadcast that is now ministering to you where we discuss unanswered questions. So stay with us, subscribe to the podcast, and don't forget God. He can be trusted. This is Jeremiah. I'll see you next time for another episode. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of the Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.